2015 and beyond, but asking God what were the things that he was inviting us into and what were the things that he wants us to launch out and release our faith for. And so there are a number of things that we've unpacked here over the past five months. We're also in a very focused prayer assignment where we are seeking God with greater affection and greater passion in this six-month window from January to June. Those uh, previous prayer points that we've unpacked, and you can get those on the podcast, we believe that God has spoken to this body, for this body, that there are a number of God encounters that he has for us in the year of 2015. We also believe that this is a year where there's another quality, there's another uh, type, there is another um, level of praise and worship that he is taking our body to and he's taking us to individually. And we believe that in a very tangible and practical way, that's going to manifest itself in new songs. And so be believing God for new songs in the midst of your situations and circumstances, maybe even difficult situations and circumstances, there's gonna be a come, there's gonna come a new revelation of who God is in the midst of that that's gonna evoke a deeper quality of worship inside of your heart. We believe this is a year where God is saying, believe me for the harvest, pray for the lost, pray for people that are in your realm and your circle of influence, believe for God conversations to rise. We believe that Antioch is to, Uh, serve our city and bless our city and lead in certain areas of our city and that we're to have influence in our city and that's something that God's inviting us to do. We believe that this year is very special and a very significant year, particularly for the youth and the young adults. And Pastor Dan did an outstanding job preaching on that while we were trapped behind a tornado wall in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, so great job helping us understand that uh, this is, there have been prophetic words that there's going to be awakenings and revivals coming through the youth and the young adults. That doesn't mean that the mothers and the fathers don't have a part of that. We have a very, very, very important part of, of that awakening to play. Uh, Last few weeks, we've been talking about healing and miracles. And I want us to understand that just because we're done preaching on these things doesn't mean that we're done praying into these things or we're done contending and believing and expecting for God to move. Those things have to grow inside of us. They have to deepen uh, in our spirits. They have to deepen in our mentalities. They have to deepen in our faith levels. Today, we're going to talk about a phrase that was introduced to us a number of months ago at our family conference at the end of October into November by a man named John Alley, an apostle out of Australia, who's written a book called Holy Community. And he preached uh, a number of sessions at our family conference on the concept and on the subject of holy community. And let me read to you some of the words that you guys felt the Lord was giving to you earlier in the month of January. These are really, really awesome. A lot of these are more phrases Um, along the lines of holy community, there will be an increase of family that comes into Antioch Church. This will be a multi-ethnic house, greater diversity in the house. Our relationships will be deeper and they will be wider. The Lord is repairing fractures and that vital people who are unconnected will become more deeply connected. The Lord says that you have the resources for your assignment in the house. That's awesome. I think that there are many times when we, when we assume or we tell ourselves that if only we had more of certain things, 
And the Lord began speaking, and this was very pertinent on a men's prayer morning. He says, you have the resources here that are in the house. And some of those resources have yet to be activated. And some of those resources are growing and maturing. And that doesn't mean that God's not going to bring some other key people into the body. But man, when we look at what's in our hand, the Lord has blessed this house with some great, great people, some great fathers, mothers, leaders, teachers, intercessors, so on and so forth. And those things are in the house. I like this one right here that the Lord will give you an anointing for sustained affection one for another. That is a powerful phrase. I'm just gonna read that one more time. The Lord will grant unto you an anointing for sustained affection. And uh, automatically what comes to my mind is some of the flings that I've had when I was a younger man. And uh, you get real excited about a certain person And then after a while, you start realizing that as beautiful as that person is, you don't have that anointing for that sustained affection. Why y'all all all looking at me like that? My God, my goodness. (laughs) Trying to break this down here. Man, y'all are judging me right now. Huh? Yeah, you're just like, nope, I'm a one woman man all my life. Come on. Kidding me. Sit there and judge me. <laughs> um, listen to this one. There will be no more shame of imperfection. Uh, this will be a healthy church, health of the church. People know that they are sons and daughters of God, healthy in their perception of self, that whom God has created them to be is good and needed in this community. So I want to talk here for a few minutes today and and uh, we'll see here for a few weeks. I've, I've taken the pressure off of myself to, uh, I mean, some of these things we could literally just, we could just expand for weeks and weeks and months at a time. And even as I went back into the messages that John Alley spoke at our family conference, there is so much rich material there for us to continue to walk out and work out as we work out our salvation and work out our maturity. Today, uh, I wanna talk with you for a few minutes about learning how to walk in grace one with another. Learning how to walk in grace one with another. And this actually comes painfully out of my own uh, horrible failures this week. And uh, I felt like the Lord kind of nudged me and said, why don't you just preach a little bit about uh, what I've been showing you personally? And uh, those are always good. Why don't we just pray? (laughs) Father, we bless your name today. We thank you that you are a good God and that you're always good and that nothing will ever change that fact, that truth. It's not just a fact, it's an eternal truth because it is a part of your eternal character and your eternal nature. And today we drink deep of the goodness of God so that we can release your goodness to a broken and dying world. Father, we thank you for the grace that you have poured out upon us, for your forgiveness, for your tender mercy, for your patience. And today, Father, we pray that you would use clay lips and clay vessels today to impact lives for eternity, to form something on a spirit level corporately, and to transform cities, regions, and nations around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll go to Matthew chapter 18 to start off with. And... um, I'm not going to give you too many juicy details. All you need to know is that, uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but um, 
I, I, can, I can be a little, uh, I don't even know what the best word here to say is, is I can be a little, oh, uptight. We'll use the word uptight. That's a better word. I'll be a little uptight about things uh, relationally that really in the grand scheme of things, come on, talk to me, they don't really matter. Come on, talk to me. It don't really matter if all the Tupperware in the storage unit is not completely lined up squares with squares, circles with circles, and rectangles with rectangles, right? I'm, I'm, pa- I'm being pastor today. I'm going to just open up my life. It don't really matter that the DVDs are not exactly in the cases that they're supposed to be in, right? Come on. When I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to remember that I got a lot of examples, y'all. It's not going to matter that we didn't lay out inventory for the grocery list and map out our meals every night of the week so that when we go to the grocery store, we know exactly what to buy and uh, stuff ain't getting freezer burned in the freezer because we didn't check it. That really don't matter. Huh? Come on, right? And uh, I need some help in here, somebody. Come on. It don't matter that we don't squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom up. That don't really matter. (laughs) I had a real moment with the Lord this week when he had to remind me of how broken and how frail I really am. And uh, let's go to Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and he said, Lord... How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I think, he, I think he thought he was really reaching there. And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times. How about 70 times in the same day? For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. In the New American Standard, there's a little footnote here that says 10,000 talents is about $10 million in silver content, but worth much more in buying power. I don't even know, first of all, how you get to a place where you owe somebody $10 million, but that's a side issue, isn't it? The point is here that it was so much that he couldn't even repay it. Very, very similar to how much we owed God. I mean, that's the point here that's being made. There is nothing that you and I could ever do, even if we work. There's been times in my journey when Christy and I got ourselves into some just ridiculous debt with school loans and, and things of that nature. And I remember at one point of our journey when I was making $18,000 a year and Christy was invited by the Lord not to work. So uh, it was so powerful for us. And I remember I was like, well, if I just work, and I just, I started doing it. And even, even at 24 hours a day for years, there was no way that we would pay that debt off for years. And I had to say, Lord, this actually now requires supernatural intervention. This is the type of thing that Jesus is trying to explain here. He's saying, this joker was so far gone that unless there was a sovereign act of mercy, he could have, he could have worked his entire life 
labor, hard labor, and never paid this debt off. And that's what, that's what our sin is like. Now, I don't, I don't know how acquainted you are with your sin, but the more I get acquainted with my sin and how gross and how ugly it is and how judgmental and critical and arrogant and all those things that I can be and selfish and proud that, that is inside of me, the more I realize if it were not for a sovereign move of the mercy of God, I'd work my entire life doing great things and never be able to pay that debt off. And so we just keep going on here. Verse 25, but since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife, children, and all that he had in repayment to be made. Very powerful point here is that our sin does not just affect us, it affects our families. Our weaknesses are not something that we just have to pay for. Our children will have to suffer through the weaknesses that we're growing through. Verse 26, the slave therefore falling down prostrated before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Have patience with me. I want you to pause real quick. I wanna read to you the definition of this word patience. It's a really powerful word here. The word here is macrothemio and it means to suffer for a long time. As opposed to being hastily angry or I can translate that being easily annoyed or being easily irritated with someone's weaknesses. It stands in opposition to punishment. It means to forbear. It means to endure something patiently as opposed to despondently. It means to tarry. It means to delay. There's two words for patience in the New Testament. One means to be patient under difficult circumstances. Anybody been under some difficult circumstances? Last week we prayed weariness off of people and sometimes we just, that has to be built into us. Perseverance and patience in the midst of a hard season. That word is a different word here. The word here means to actually be patient with people. To be patient with someone's frailty, with their idiosyncrasies, with their personalities, with their immaturities. And that's what he was begging of this king. Don't just be gracious and patient with the situation about the money. Be patient with me. How many of you guys have ever needed patience from the Lord? How many of you need patience with, from someone else? Verse 27, and the Lord of that slave, he felt compassion and he released him and he forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. New American Standard says a hundred denarii is equivalent to one day's wage. So we have a man who was forgiven $10 million, couldn't repay it. He and his entire family are gonna be thrown into prison. He cried out, have patience with me, endure for a little bit longer with this shortcoming in my life. And then he hears, here, here he has a, a friend of his who owes him one day's wage and he is uncompassionate. He is impatient. He is unreasonable. He is easily irritated. He says, you will pay back what you owe and he throws him in a chokehold. What is wrong with you, man? <laughs> So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him saying, 
have patience with me. Listen to the language. He says the exact same thing to this man. Have patience with me. Endure a long time. Suffer with me. This is an area of weakness in my life. Please forgive this offense. Verse 30 says he was unwilling but he went and he threw him in prison and he, sh- he said, you will stay here until you pay back every penny you owe. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported to their Lord all that happened. And summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because of your entreatment of me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I have had mercy on you? We're going to talk today for just a few minutes about having mercy with one another. By the way, Darius and Sarah Rotia, congratulations. And then there were three. The Rotias are expecting a child. Due date is in December. Congratulations, you guys. We are so excited for you. You know, every single one of us uh, are weak at something or weak in some area of our lives. There's brokenness within us. Sin touches all of us. It touches our personalities. It makes us difficult to deal with. Every single one of us come from various backgrounds. We all have different levels of training, different things we've been exposed to. You know, one of the things that we try to teach our missionaries, because Christy and I have experienced this, It's very easy in the land that we come from, the land of privilege, luxury, opportunity, um, extravagance, abundance. It's very easy when you go to another country and experience deep, deep, deep poverty. I I mean, levels of poverty that unless you literally are there watching it, even your mind cannot comprehend. The things that people eat and and cannot eat, uh, the conditions that people live in, I remember the first year that I went to Juarez and the Lord pierced my heart when I was with a group of team leaders with ORU Missions. And we went to a particular area of town where people took, um, what are those things, those crates, and built their homes out of these wooden crates, uh, living on dirt, dirty water, no conditions for restrooms. And that stuff just gets inside of you when you live with people whose actual living conditions are a garbage dump. I mean, that, that's their home. I mean, the place where we, we, we throw all of our garbage into a garbage can, the truck comes and takes that, where they take that. Well, that, there are people who live in those places around the world. And it's very easy to come back and become very judgmental and critical. And one of the things that we try to tell our missionaries is, listen, you guys have to understand that was you a week ago. That was you. Until we are exposed to those kinds of experiences that tenderize our heart, until we're exposed to those kind of experiences that open up our eyes to the state of humanity and other places around the world, it's very easy for us to become very, very arrogant and very proud. Every single one of us not only have had different types of opportunities and different types of experiences, we've had different families that we've grown up and who've trained us in certain ways. And as you interact with others, you begin to realize very quickly that not everybody's mama and daddy taught them the things that they taught you. 
and the things that you expect to be common decency and consideration. Everybody don't know that kind of stuff. Come on, am I, am I communicating with anybody this morning? You know, we all have um, issues of brokenness in our lives. You're a broken bunch. And I, I'm a leader of a broken bunch of people. And I'm the chief of the broken people. And that's not a bad thing. And the thing that I wanna do in my brokenness today to try to communicate is that if we're gonna live in authentic, holy Christian community, we're gonna have to understand that every single one of us are in need of grace. We are gonna have to understand that in order for, you know, God's design for us is that as we throw ourselves at his mercy to receive grace, that we become conduits and vessels of that same grace to the people that are around us. And when we're on our A game, sometimes we're gonna do great, but we have to understand that there's gonna be times when our grace for one another runs thin. And when our grace for one another runs thin, there might be some ugly things that come out of us responding to the ugliness that are in the people that are around us. But guys, listen, that's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Turn with me, if you would, over here. We're gonna string together a number of scriptures this morning. I want you to look with me at John chapter 13, verse 35. John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus here has just recently washed his disciples' feet. He has served them. He has lowered himself. He has blessed them. And then he has said, I am setting for you an example. And the example that I'm setting for you is in the same way that I have lowered and humbled myself to serve you and love you and bless you. I'm asking you to love and serve and bless the people that are around you. And then he says this incredible statement in verse 35. If you can grow in your capacity to love all men with the same type of love that I'm loving you, this then is how the world will know that you're my disciples. This right here is the standard. This is the measuring stick. This is the qualifier. When they can look at your life and they can see you forgive your church members when they screwed up. You know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what kind of people you've got on your Facebook, but, um, you know, going to a Christian university for eight years, you get a lot of people who get out of those Christian universities and they go buck wild and they get jaded and they get, and then, you know, just people, the, the, the church will hurt people. Ah, you know, it's just so, it's so hurtful to say that. The church, we, we, are, we are hurting people, we'll hurt people. And the church will hurt people. And there's probably tons of you in here right now. We've done this at different periods of our journey where we've had to stand up and do corporate inner healing and forgiveness and deliverance because of the hurt that comes not, not from the persecutor, not from the Muslim, not from the Hindu, the atheist, not from the, per, not from the liberal, it's from the people that are in our church. Most of, the, most of the hurt that's in the church just comes from people in the church. That's why we need grace for one another. Because at some point, if you get close enough to me, I'm gonna hurt you. And I'm not gonna do it intentionally. Maybe, 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 maybe just in, the, in, in my gross immaturity, 
there's gonna be something, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fail to reply to a text, or I'm, I'm gonna miss a meeting, or uh, something's gonna come out of my mouth and it's not gonna come across uh, the way that I want to. I may lose my temper. I may some, say something crude. I mean, that you're gonna see that kind of junk. It's in me. And here's the thing, you're gonna see it in somebody in your life group. And if you're not willing to accept all this, hopefully you understand you're gonna see it in your marriage. You're gonna see it in your children, kids, you're gonna see it in your parents. You're gonna see it. And now the big question that looms over us in terms of the stake of our witness in the earth. See, I think the world would be way more gracious with us if we were to say, you know what, this is gonna happen. And if you come, you, if you're gonna walk through those doors and if you're gonna choose to have potlucks with us, here's what's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna go through the line first and they're gonna eat more food and you may not get any. I don't know how real y'all want me to be. That may happen because, because we're selfish. We are, and we greedy, and we hungry, and we act like we ain't ate in weeks. What's wrong with us? But listen, listen, don't sit there and act like, don't sit there and act like that ain't in you, and don't act like it's not in people around you. Why is it that when it comes to the church, we act like the church can't be broken? We're broken. We're, we're, we're jacked up, broken people. And listen, as long as we keep pretending we're not and acting like we got it all together, we're going to continue to perpetuate the same brokenness that hurts other people. Now, this is not a license to be immature and irresponsible. This is not a license to not grow up. What this is, is saying, you need to understand that if you come to Antioch Church, you're taking a risk. You are taking a risk. Brandon Patterson, if we're going to do life together at some point, I'm taking a risk and you're taking a risk and you're going to misinterpret something and I'm going to, I'm going to be confused about something and the enemy's going to try to get in there because the enemy wants to divide people. It's going to happen. It's going to, he is a punk. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the looming question, this is the thing. Face to face, Jesus dealt with it. Paul dealt with it. Peter dealt with it. This is not uncommon to humanity. It's not uncommon to the story and the journey of the church. The thing that we have to have guts and courage to face is this. When that happens, what will you do? What will you do? Because here's what I know. The easy road is to quit. The easy road is to bottle up. The easy road is to um, avoid. The easy road is to judge. The easy road is to criticize. The easy road is to gossip. The easy road is to uncover. The easy road is to uh, um, uh, talk about that other person. The easy road is to shut down. The easy road is to get bitter and resent. That's the easy road. That is the easy road. And when we continue to perpetuate churches of people who choose the easy road, we continue to build churches that hurt people. This requires immaculate courage on behalf of every single one of us that says, I am going to risk hurting you, and I am going to risk that when I hurt you, you're going to be big enough to have grace for me. But I'm also going to risk that you're going to hurt me, and I'm going to risk the fact that when you do hurt me, then I'm going to, by the grace of God, be big enough to have grace for you. That is the only way this works. It's the only way marriages work. It's the only way friendships work. I said this one time to Christy, Dan, I hope you, I say, man, Dan drives me crazy. He drives me crazy. Like, you have to understand, Christy was like, <laughs> see, because, because Dan and I, and David and I, and Martha and I, and Joe and I, see, we have something that most staffs don't have. 
See, I was taught years growing up that leadership is a lonely position and you gotta keep everybody at distance. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna choose to try a different way. And I'm gonna choose to give these people my heart. And these guys have thrashed it unintentionally. And I, <laughs> and listen, listen. And I have thrashed theirs unintentionally, right? I have done it. I have hurt these guys unintentionally. Why do we act like, why do we act like in the church that we're not gonna accidentally hurt somebody? That's this ridiculous. It is going to happen. I prophesy it over your lives. <laughs> Some religious folk are messing with it. They're like, I don't really know. It's going to happen. I'm just saying. It's not a prophecy if I know it's going to come true. It's just, just reality. And these, but we have, chosen to, we have chosen to be in each other's lives. They have changed my kids' diapers. I have changed theirs. We have been up with each other late at night. We've, we've gone through hardship together. We've been offended by one another, and we just keep fighting for it. And some of you see the specialness of what has been built here. It's been built over 10-plus years of getting hurt and forgiving and repenting and working for it and trying and shutting down and distancing ourselves and coming back over and over and over and over again. It's not just a you know administrative technical thing that we're doing here. Here. We're living our lives together. We're joining our lives together to build a family that a hundred years from now is going to reap the fruit of people that laved covenant on the line. That's what Antioch is building here in the earth. That's why life groups are so important. That's why this stuff, I mean, this stuff matters. This is not a program. This is not a program. This is the kingdom. This is the way. You cannot, you, you cannot be a Christian and not be an authentic community and be a real Christian. Man, I'm just, I'm, I just saw the line and I just said, I'm going to go for it. You can't, you can't. The very, the very essence of Christianity means that you belong to a family. That's what that means. Families don't hide from one another. Families serve, families love, families get into it, families have conflict, families work it out, families walk it out, families work it through. That's what families do. We just build humongous things, you know, to, listen, listen, when you go to a movie theater and someone cuts in line and grabs popcorn in front of you, you don't have to work that out. But this is not a movie theater. Hopefully, if there's maturity inside of us, you're going to come back and see that same person again. Are we getting anywhere in this? All right, let's let's look at another scripture. Come on, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. You know, the reason why I felt like the Lord has led me here because there's a lot of things that we can talk about as it relates to authentic, holy community that really, unless we get this down, it don't mean anything. I, I could talk about honor. I was gonna talk about honor today. We're gonna talk about things that happen in the context of community. We can talk about, we can talk about all those things. But unless this right here gets lined up where I'm saying, I'm willing to see you at your worst and cover it. And cover it. You know, one of the things that we do as a staff 
because this happens. Don't sit there and act like it doesn't because it does. But what happens is, is when you deal life for a certain amount of time with a person, the same person, what you do is you actually create a label for that person. You do. And if, and if I were one to scare the junk out of a lot of you guys, I would share with you the labels that the enemy tries to put in my mind for all of y'all. Oh, he's the irresponsible one. Here's the one who always talks and never shuts up. Here's the one who never listens. Here's the one who never shows up on time. Come on, come on, well, come on, right? Yeah. Chip. <laughs> I'm not trying to say these things to be mean. I'm trying to make a point here. The point here is this. You do it and I do it because what happens is, is that when you're willing, when you actually get to that place where you're willing to let somebody see your weakness, what you're doing is you're risking letting your weakness become your label. That's what you're doing. And none of us want our weakness to be our label. And so what we have to do as a staff, because that's, this has happened. I've heard different staff members say this about different staff members, and I go, okay, well, what we've done is we've created a label, and as we start every new year, what we do is we get quiet before the Lord, and we ask the Lord to show us the negative labels that we've assigned to each other as staff members. Oh, there's the one who always, and there, no, 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 and say, okay, God, I'm gonna take that label off, and I'm gonna allow, the, I'm going to ask you to let me see who this person is now, not the person that I saw him eight years ago. And husbands, if you'll do this with your wives, and wives, you need to do this with your husbands, and parents, you need to do this with your children, this will save relationships. Because, let me, let me just, let me map out some premises here. There is a premise within Christianity that the Holy Spirit is within us and that we are growing, true or false. That, that is a fundamental premise of Christianity, that the Spirit of God is sanctifying us and changing us from glory to glory. We are working out our salvation. We are growing in Christ. And so if you are growing, technically, who you are today is actually different than who you were yesterday. So why am I still trying to keep you to where you were five months ago when you're going through a difficult season of your life? Or when at that point in the growth curriculum that God had for you, there was a certain lesson he was highlighting to you and you were looking really ugly because you're working that lesson out. I don't, you know, none, nobody looks at me and still treats me like I'm a, you know, like I'm a second grader because I, I graduated from that. I don't have to learn my times tables anymore. Why you treat me like I'm dumb? Okay, but we do that with people. We do that, oh, and then what happens is, you know, let's just get real, real, real honest. They've experienced tremendous growth in their life and then they have a slip up and they do something that maybe they used to do all the time before and they started getting all this great, great growth and they do it one time and they go, oh, you always. No, you don't always. You just, you just our character is not absolutely perfected yet. But here's what you're gonna have to do and here's what I'm gonna have to do if we really want this thing to work. Now, we can fold up shop and we can pretend if you want. I don't do good at pretending. I don't want to pretend. When you look me in the eyes, I want you to know that I'm genuinely for you, that everything's clean. I want you to know that, that if there's anything that we need to work, through, work out, we've worked through. I'm not holding anything against you. That's the kind of people that God's trying to build here in this place, which means that the labels that you've created about the people that are around you, you're gonna to have to take those labels and burn them in the spirit. That's what you're gonna to have to do. You have to do that. 
And let me give you a little story here that helped bring me to this place. We've got a son of the house here, Eric Ordway, who's come to visit from Missouri. And Eric, he is a spiritual son, man. He is, and he has pursued my heart for seven years. And since Eric moved to Missouri, Eric will write me handwritten letters from time to time. In his last handwritten letter that he wrote me, I sat in a coffee shop and I read that and I wept. I wept as I listened to the maturity and the depth and the humility and the transparency and the teachability and the kingdom perspective that I was seeing in this young man that after seven years of just a lot, a lot, a lot, 6 a.m. meetings, multiple, multiple, multiple times over, just cutting, addressing, cutting, addressing. And as I read this letter and wept, what hit me was, number one, investment in people is always worth it. Number two, the Eric that wrote that letter is not the Eric that I sat down with two years ago, four years ago, six years ago. Listen to this in Galatians chapter six, verse one, brethren, if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. I could have a field day with that. Because, you know, a lot of us think we're spiritual. The measurement of your spirituality is not what you do alone or corporately with God. The measurement of your spirituality is the fruit of a real relationship with God as it is fleshed out with people. Listen to what he just said here. You who are spiritual, restore him gently. Don't talk about them in the name of prayer. I just got something we need to pray about. You ain't praying about nothing. Restore him. You know what that means? It means have hard conversations. It means sit down and talk about it. Don't talk with a person. Don't talk about a person. That's what restore him gently means. It means go the distance. It means create a process. It means stay committed to that person. It means be gentle. It means be gracious. It means realize that in any given moment of the day that you could be the one on the other side of that. Listen, we all have to understand this. This, this is a fact, Jack. At some point in all of our lives, every single one of us are gonna sit on the seat while we're eating our own crow going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I blew it, I need help, I need grace. And the moment we forget that, we are in trouble because we will all sit in that seat, all of us. For big big issues or small issues, it does not matter. We will all sit in that seat. And so the the moment of truth is when we're on the seat, when we are the judge, what do we give? Let me just share this last verse with you. I got tons here. No, I'm not gonna share the last verse. I'm gonna share a couple verses. Scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I think when we hear the word sin there, we all, we start thinking adultery, right? We start thinking major gross sins. No, there's another translation that just says offenses. And offenses can be everything from food to socks to, to not closing the shower curtain to whatever. Okay? 
community only happens with the grease of grace. See, proximity brings friction. And the reason why so many people are so fragmented is they just got tired of getting burned. You don't have the grease of grace and the friction of relationships. You will get burned. Grace makes this work. Otherwise, let's go to the movies. Boom, I could have just dropped, I could have dropped the mic right there. It'd been over. I could have walked out. Y'all would have been like, that'd been powerful. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'll close. I love you guys. So good. So good. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, every now and then it's good for us just to kind of get raw. Next week I'll put on, you know, more of the compose, and it'll be all nice and, you know. Just kidding, gosh. First Corinthians 13, verse four, love is patient. Same word, same word in Matthew 18. That patience that is patience towards another person. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. Have some manners. Don't be rude, okay? You're gonna find out how many people are just have no manners when you get into community. It's not new. Paul dealt with that. Paul had to rebuke people for going through the line and getting too much food. Now watch, next fifth Sunday, nobody's gonna get any food. (laughs) I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, it's so funny. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Let me just translate that. It is not easily angered. It's not easily irritated. So the issue here is, you know, when we find ourselves getting all, uh, you know, all OCD-ish, like I can be, you know what I need? I don't need, every, I don't need to control everybody around me and make them start doing stuff that I want to have a perfect environment. I need more love and I need more grace. Because here's what I know, I cannot give what I've not received. Okay, if you wanna grow, Get into a real relationship with people that are broken. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. You guys are probably one of the most patient, gracious congregations in the world to have a pastor like me. You're awesome. This is good stuff. It's good stuff even if you weren't shouting me down. I know it's good. It's good. I'm preaching to the podcast community today. <laughs> uh, how are we going to do this today? Why don't you just grab somebody's hand? Just pray grace over them. Lord, we just pray. We just release grace. Father, we pray for a climate and a culture of grace. Not a grace that... that um, that just excuses and doesn't deal with root issues. Father, a grace that keeps us tender and humble as we deal with real issues. A grace that keeps us grounded as we work out problems. A grace that says, I'm gonna keep fighting and I'm gonna keep trying and I'm not gonna give up on you.
grace that says I'm not going to be so bothered by things that shouldn't bother me that much. A grace that teaches me patience, kindness. A grace that restrains harsh words. God, thank you for being so gracious to us, God. so deeply in need of your grace I stand as the chief I'm so in need of your grace God and I thank you that you don't label me by my mishaps and mistakes and screw ups and fail ups and you don't label me in my immaturity or my ignorance my hard heartedness you label me as a son you label me according to my destiny And I pray over you today that where you have partnered with the enemy and you've labeled yourself by your mistakes, let that come off of you today, child. You're a son. And you're a daughter. You're not a screw up. You're not a mess up. You're not clumsy. You're not stupid. There's there's somebody who's hearing something in your head when you were a child. Why can't you just get it right? I just take that off of you right now your son you're not disqualified there's grace father today we're going to ask you we're going to just pray a ridiculous bold prayer that we want to be a grace community which means that all of our junk is going to start showing up grace is sufficient for our mess. And not only is your grace grease, your grace is glue. So God, we're asking you to bind us together with the spirit of grace that the world may see that we may be broken, but we're bought and we're beautiful. I bless you, Antioch. I bless you today. Jesus' name.